Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. Well, today we start a new series called Overcomers, Stories of Hope. And uh, that is something that, that's been on, on our hearts for quite some time as we talk to some of you and we hear the tremendous testimonies that, that we hear that you mentioned to us. It's just so exciting that we have the opportunity to be able to share that with the rest of the body. And, you know, some of us, you know, we're still kind of like getting to know each other as a growing congregation. And so what are, we're going to hear today from someone that, that we have not, uh, probably some of us have not yet met. Uh, and this uh, series is taken from uh, Revelations chapter 12 and verse 11, which says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. <clears throat> a verse that probably explains it a little better says it this way. They defeated him through the blood of the Lamb and the bold word of their witness. They weren't in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. And you know, in so many ways, when we accept Christ, we die to ourselves. We die to the old man, the old woman, the old self, right? And we, we, we understand that we're starting a new pathway. We're starting a new walk with the Lord. And so the old has gone, as the Bible says, and reminds us, the new has come. Uh, you know, to understand this verse, you have to understand something else, a verse before. And I want to read that, and then we're going to get into the testimony. It says this, in verse 10 of that same chapter 12 of Revelation, it says, Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before day and night has been cast down. So when it talks about the fact that we have overcome, we overcame him, who is the him? It's Satan. Is the devil. What is he trying to do? What is his point and, and purpose and scope of his attack? It's basically to deny your new identity in Christ. He wants to cause you to focus on the old self, all of the things that you have done in the past, the mistakes, the failures, the disappointments, all of that stuff. He, because he is defeated already, what he does, he can only accuse us based on our identity. And he tries to convince us that we are not who Christ says we are, but we are who we were. And that is not the truth. Romans 8 and 37 says that in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who saved us. And you know, and through him who loved us. And you know what? I am so thankful that because of his saving grace and power, 
we can attest to what God has done for us. And uh, we're going to have our dear friend, Katie. Come on up, Katie. Katie, thank you for being willing to share and be vulnerable today. Um, before you get into your story, can you tell us a little bit about how you found MCC and how long you've been here? Yes, um, we came, um, I think it was January of 2021, um, you know, the great shakeup and reset of 2020 found us in a, a transition. Um, God was calling us away from the church that we had been, and it was just, you know, waiting for him, okay, where are we to go? And I had driven by this place thousands of times. My kids, this was the route to school. I would go by this place um, daily for years, and I never noticed it until I did. And I noticed it one day and was just like, wow. And I felt that little tug, like, go check that out. And I did. And I just knew one, the first time it was just that confidence that knowing this is that place, this is where you're to be. Wow. So, so you said kids. Ever since. So how many kids do you have? We have five between my husband and I. Yeah. They're older. They're pretty much uh, college and down to 11 or almost 12, but Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing. Grow up, did you grow up as a, as a believer? Uh, tell us your little story a little bit. Yes, there's so much to tell, but I'm going to condense it. Um, so I grew up in the deep south in Alabama, and I was raised in a Christian family, Catholic family. Um, we were going to Mass, you know, regularly. Uh, all that was good, but it was a lot of focus on the rituals of Catholicism and things like that. So I went through all of those things, the communion. And, um, there was a lot of, so in what I realized, I mean, for me, I don't know this across the, the whole Catholic church, but there was, it was a lot of legalism and that's transpired into the home as well. It was, um, you've got to do right to be right with God. And that was the the mentality that I was taught. And so I was, it was that focus, like you've got to do, you've got to do and get to do. And ultimately I couldn't live up to that standard. And, you know, when I started to fail and started to make mistakes, it was condemnation. And the, the more I was shy, you know, I got over here, like, I don't really want to know that God. So I'm going this direction. Yeah. I think that it's not just a phenomenon in the Catholic church. There's perhaps some, some that are sitting here will probably, uh, you know, Agree. Agree that that's something that's that's that could be a strange upbringing, but when uh, you know your, your family life, your formative years, you know as a child, uh, you feel like you grew up being loved and accepted. Uh, you know, as you were growing up, how did you? So I grew up in a divorced family. My parents divorced actually before I was born. My mom was pregnant. And my mother had primary custody of me, but she was an addict herself and an alcoholic and for all of my life. And that brought with it, you know, its challenges. And so primarily I was raised by my grandparents. We moved in with them and it was, I would describe it as chaotic, very chaotic. The, well, I'm, because of what my mom was going through, it was a lot of neglect towards me. She was gone a lot of the time. She just kind of was, you know, in and out. And I was suffering abuse when the real her is not 
who I saw when she was, you know, on um, drugs and alcohol. But in those times, there was a lot of verbal abuse, emotional abuse, physical, um, lots of neglect. And just like that David said in that video, it was, I've never felt like I was seen or loved by her. I felt like I was second fiddle, you know, like there, I wasn't the priority in her life. And it was that when you're a child, you, you want that, you know? Did you ever feel even at, at that stage in your life, like that you were afraid? Oh yeah. And lots of fear. And in that, you know, because I was worried, it was this constant worry about my mom. Is she going to come home? Is she, what's going to happen to her? Um, I spent a lot of time praying. You know, people tell me just pray. My, I had a grandmother that loved the Lord and she was a praying grandmother and she would just encourage me to pray. But I would pray these prayers and ask God to do these things, bring my mom home, bring, you know, get her out of these addictions. But I wouldn't see it. And so that caused me to drift further and further. Like he doesn't listen. He's not, he didn't hear me. So what did you mean about bring your mom home? Maybe explain that a little bit. Because she was gone for days at a time in, in the depths of her addiction that had her on the streets and just gone. You know, she was not there very much. That was hard as a kid. So as a child, you're now growing up and you're becoming a teenager. How does that influence your life as, as a teen? not in a good way for sure um because of that I, really what i saw it was you know you don't understand it when you're a kid but i have perspective looking back but because i needed love i needed to be loved and i felt like i wasn't i needed to be important to her and i wasn't and so i was craving love craving um someone to pay attention you know and it was but i was looking for that in her and I couldn't find it and so that just started me on this path I started to rebel against authority basically her you know all authority in my life and I found by the time I was 14 years old I had just reached that breaking point I was sick and tired of being sick and tired sick and tired of the abuse sick and tired of the lies being threatened I was just done sick and tired of worrying of even caring i was tired of caring i was tired of being hurt i was tired of hurting you know and i just wanted to go the other direction and that's when i started to kind of head down that path because i just really i came to this point where i'm like she, nobody cares nobody cares about me and god doesn't who is god god never listened to me he never answered my prayers he obviously doesn't care is what i was feeling like then so what happened when things went to a really deep low in your life? Oh, gosh. Well, from 14 onwards, that, you know, teenage years, I, too, started using drugs and became um, sexually active and really went down a dark path. I just, it was, I found myself, you know, in these situations, I had multiple arrests. I was convicted of a felony. I had these horrible relationships, abusive relationships with, you know, horrible people. And I was just spiraling out of control. I went to rehab at one point and it was just a spiraling down, spiraling down. And ultimately then at 21 years old, I got pregnant with my son. And that was like a hard stop in a way for me. I was just 
spiraling, you know, down, like I said, but then I got pregnant with him and it was just this, oh man, you know, this moment of, uh, because of what I experienced my mom, I just had this realization, like, I got to get my life together and I got to do it right now. Like, because I can't be to him who she was to me. I can't be that kind of mom. And so I cold turkey got off everything quit doing drugs then and I never have since praise God I don't recommend that as your way to, to stop um but it was it was a blessing for me in that way um and so I got my life together I felt like I had gone to nursing school and become a nurse I ended up marrying the man that um I had my son with things were just trucking along well I thought I was had the house and the job and the family and things were going so good. I had distanced myself from my mom and had kind of put her out of my life completely and felt like things were really at a good place at that point. And then, you know, do you want me to keep going on or do you have another question? And then, um, no, I didn't, I didn't know God, obviously all this time, you know, um, at while I'm married, I ended up at one point I had a family and everything was good, like I was saying, but then I ended up having an affair and I fell in love with someone else. I really believed I was in love with someone else. I actually really believed that God would want me to leave my husband. That's the, the creep. When I say it now, I'm like, that's insane. But I didn't know him, you know, then and I had felt so justified in that decision. I felt Really, if there, because of what you would hear, the things people tell you, like, well, God just wants you to be happy. And I'm like, well, God would want me to be happy. So he's so, surely he's okay with me for doing this. And I just had, it was like, I was so blinded. My heart was so hardened to the truth. And I was so deceived by the enemy. I could not see what I was doing. I couldn't see how destructive it really was. And ended up completely, you know, I had people trying to tell me this was wrong and all that stuff. I just couldn't hear it. I couldn't see it. And I ultimately left my husband and broke my family apart. And it, it, you know, hurt a lot of people. It was, there was so much destruction. I left so much destruction in my path, but I, I couldn't see it. That was the crazy thing. I could not see it. That's, that's one of those things that, you know, when you engage in a, in a pattern, in a cycle, right? You live a certain way and you experience that same thing. You, repeat the same mistakes oftentimes that you've seen your parents grow. And isn't that beautiful that we can just be open and transparent? And, you know, the Bible says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Right? When you feel condemnation, is perhaps there's something missing. There's a portion of the equation that's missing. It's being in Christ. And, you know, and that's why I mean, when we shared, when Katie shared her testimony with us, it was just incredible. I mean, I'm like... This is going to get very real, <laughs> very quickly, and we want it to be that way because, you know what? In Christ, we should not have to hide. None of us. Amen? And so that's beautiful that you can now express that with honesty and sincerity without feeling any condemnation. Katie, did you have anyone in particular in your life that would speak truth and life that was a poignant person besides your grandmother was she the sole voice for the majority of my life it was her she was 
definitely a praying grandmother. I saw she had such a beautiful relationship with God, which I didn't really appreciate until much later. But I did have one friend that was definitely someone God had appointed, you know, to speak into my life at this time of my life. And so after the affair and after my divorce, I was wandering through life, you know, just surviving, not at all thriving, just trying to, you know, I had these kids and trying to go to work and make things work, trying to figure all these things out. And I had a friendship with this one person all this time and I knew she loved the Lord, but, and she would say things here and there, but I never really had a desire still in my heart. And fast forward to December, it was December 26th of 2014. And I had a, a different friend who had her really hurt me and betrayed me. And I was, um, sitting in her kitchen, just, Oh, you know, pretty devastated that this friend had hurt me like this. And all I know is that while I'm in the midst of, of grieving the betrayal that has happened to me, it was just, boom, my eyes were open. And that's the only way I know how to describe it. It was literally like the veil was lifted. And instantly I saw me, I saw the depths of my depravity. And instantly I knew I did that to someone else. It was like, I saw for the first time my, what I had done to my ex-husband. I saw it clearly in this moment that I, I could not see it before, but instantly I saw all the destruction, all the depths of my depravity. And I knew, I remember I was going, growing up Catholic before this moment was convinced I, if I died, I was going to heaven. I was saved. I never questioned Jesus or anything like that. But in that moment, when my eyes were open, I knew I am not saved. I'm literally on my way to hell. And that was overwhelming to say the least. It was the conviction of sin was heavy upon me. And I kind of spiraled down for the next four months, just overwhelmed with grief and I was grieving, you know, in shame and guilt. And you know that God doesn't come to condemn, but I was seeing, it was me. I was seeing what I had done clearly for the first time, all these things. And I just was, I really believed. I was like, there's no way. If God really is who he says he is, like he couldn't, how could he ever love me? How could he truly forgive me? Like, look at all the things I've done. And I ended up going, I was going to go to Australia. And I was telling you this one friend and last minute, she's, like, I got to join you. I'm coming with you to Australia. And in those four months that I had cycle, I was spiraling down in this shame. She, I just kept reaching out to her and she kept over and over the same thing. Katie, God has forgiven you. You need to forgive yourself. God has forgiven. I've just heard that for four months. God has forgiven you. You need to forgive yourself. And then she joined me on that trip to Australia. And I don't know what it was, but you know, like I said, I'd been friends with her for five years, but like my eyes were open. It was the Lord had already started to kind of work in my life. And we were on an airplane going somewhere in Australia. And I just remember whatever, I don't know what she was talking about, but I saw a light in her and the light was so bright. It was like that light of God that was drawing me. And I just looked at her and I'm like, what is this? What is this light in you? What is this? And she was like, it's God. <laughs> that, that was radical to me. I'm like, I need that. What I need that what is this? She's like, it's God. And you, you just go get a Bible. You need to just go start reading the word and seek him. It was, it was powerful. So that's when you cried out to God, answered you. But you know, it's, it's great. Oftentimes we hear people that cry out to God, but the transformation has to take place. So what brought you to make a 
180-degree turn and walk away from that lifestyle that you had now to something different, something new. Of course, you're attracted to this light. Tell us what, what you did to get closer to God. Yeah, that after that trip, I knew when she said it's God and that is the light. I had to have that light as well. And so I committed to reading the Bible. And I, if this God is real, I'm, I need to know. I need to find out the truth. What is the truth? And, you know, go to the source. She's, I was told, just go to the source, which is the word of God. And I started reading the Bible every day um, for about a year. And that radically transformed my life as I was renewing my mind to the truth. I was being set free from all these lies that I had been believing all of my life that I had no idea were lies, but they were being exposed to the light of the truth. I was seeing, and as I was just renewing my mind, it was like him removing these things from me, these desires that had been in my heart, and it was just increasing my desire for him. Tell us a little bit, maybe somebody here may be struggling with similar situations in their lives. What do you mean by renewing your mind? What What does that mean? Explain that to in, in your own terms and what how it happened to you. So the, you know, that's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 say, renew your mind to the truth. Like, don't be conformed to the ways of the world. And we do that by renewing our mind to the truth. And so we, the way that I know, explain it is to, you need to get into the word of God and see what is the truth and take those truths. And if, if something in your own belief system contradicts that, you need to be humble and honest and willing to take the truth of God's word and make that your truth and, and replace the lies with the truth. And so it was a lot of that is going, okay, either what I believe is right or either what God is saying is right. And so I just continued, if I saw that and I knew it contradicted something in me, I chose to say, I believe that is actually the truth. And I'm going to use that as my truth instead of what I've been believing. So, so that was your, your part of the investment, your investment. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a part to play. I had to seek him. He rewards those who seek him diligently. And I knew I was going after this light. I had to, I had to find out if this was even true. And that year of just being in the word, I mean, it was, you know, how it says the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and he bears witness of the truth. And I didn't, even when I didn't know and understand these things fully, I just had a constant witness. This is truth. This is truth. This is truth. And I just held on to that and grasped it with everything in me and everything. It's just everything. It's like, little, you know, without you even really realizing it, everything started to change. I started saying things that I would catch myself and be like, who said that? <laughs> who just said, did I just, that sounded so good. Did I just say that? Am I talking about God to somebody where before I was talking about all these ungodly things? And Hey, can we just stop and give God praise for that miracle? Is that powerful? It was. But yeah. Wow. Because that's something that God does in when He comes into our lives, the power of transformation, right? Yes. But it doesn't happen overnight, does it? And how long did it take you? What What was the process in your life? It really was the minute I started reading the Bible. It was just first there was desire, but in that year of reading through the whole Bible, it was just, it was little by little, you know, it was like line upon line, and these little things, it was just, I was taking these little steps to obey what I was reading and learning, and that is a key, obeying the Word, not just being a hearer, but being a doer, and I committed to doing what I saw in the Word, and so as I 
stepped out and started to do those things, it was just his blessings were just started to pour into my life. And I started to see truly that what I was acting on was, it was confirming this literally is the truth. You know, what he has said in his word is true, that when I walk in obedience to his word, I reap these blessings. And all these things started to just come into my life supernaturally. It was, it was undeniable. Something is happening. Something. God is real. Something is happening. It lit a fire in me, truly. And I just started, I'm like, I got to have this. I went after him with all of my heart. It was powerful. How did, well, so your, your marriage, you're married now again. And how did this affect your marriage this time around? Your change, the change. Oh my gosh. Everything is, it's just amazing to me what God has done in my life. Because in my first marriage, I didn't. I didn't honor him, you know, obviously, even before the um, affair. I just had no appreciation for the cut that it was a covenant between God with us and God. I didn't see that, that I had entered into a covenant with him. It was just more, I get to do whatever I want to do and say whatever I want to say, and you need to be okay with it. And this time around, it's I so honor God, and I, I understand now that I'm in a covenant with my husband and with God. And that I know who God has called me to be as a wife, that we are called to submit to our husbands, not, you know, in that controlling way, but I'm his equal, but I'm, he's the head and I'm under him. And that's a beautiful thing that God has ordained. It is not something to fear. It is something to reverence God for, because that is his holy order for the family. And so that's like, I have this, it's just crazy to me because I'm before I didn't desire it. And now I so desire to honor my husband. I don't speak negatively about him where before I would tell all the things about my ex-husband that weren't very pretty but with him I only I will never I'm like I can't even imagine speaking unkindly about him or you know just dishonoring him even when I'm out of his presence I honor him with him and without him and all, all the time. husband said <laughs> it's, it's just it's like that true transformation that's what the word of God and the spirit of God does in you that's right he truly has taken taken all these desires that I had and replaced them with his desires. Beautiful. It's the desires of his heart. He gives us the desires of our hearts. That's right, he does. And everything, I just can't even like wrap my brain around the transformation that has happened in my life because of really his truth, his truth coming into my heart and just increasing the harvest of all this truth is coming forth in my heart yeah. and in my life. And I have just had the most amazing experiences with God. I have testimony after testimony. So, Katie, um, there may be somebody here, or maybe you know, you're sitting here, you know someone that is struggling in the same area of life with addictions and, and, uh, and living a hard lifestyle. What would you say, give everybody two takeaways of things that really impacted your life that you could tell someone that may be struggling with today, if you do step one and step two, maybe there's a obvious, maybe a step three, <clears throat> but what would you say, a couple of takeaways from, from someone that, that's here today? Uh, the first step is to go after God. You have to go to Him. He is the source of all things. He is the source of healing. He is the comforter. 
He is the healer. He is the deliverer, the restorer. That is the first thing is I, I encourage people is like, you can be real with God. You absolutely can be real. There is no shame. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And he already knows all the things, you know, it's like the enemy wants us to hide and keep these things hidden because that is how he keeps a hold on us. But that's why I told people, I'm like, no, break, drag it out into the light. Be real with God. Bring everything into the light. Take it to him. He already even, he knows already. You're not hiding anything from him. And it's just, and I encourage people, get into the word. Be committed to the word of God. Get into the word of God. Find out what does God say about these things, about whatever it is that you're struggling with. What does the word of God say about it? And you, you have to be willing to say, whatever you find in the word of God, I'm going to replace it like I did. That is going to be the truth. And I don't care if I believe it right wow. now or not. I'm going to make it truth. Wow. And I'm going to act on it. The enemy tells you a lie. You replace it with the truth. Yes. That is the key. That is so powerful. You have to take all the thoughts captive yeah. to the obedience of Christ and make his word. Give us an example of how you would do that. Oh, gosh. In the, like, you know, I said I had that affair, and in the beginning, before I was married, um, the enemy comes, especially, I see this happening all the time, as you, when you first start going towards God yeah. and really start deciding to walk in truth, here the enemy comes. He comes, you know, to try to, to steal the word from our hearts. And you don't realize that in the beginning, but I just saw that in the beginning. I had really, I'm like, I was headed this direction, but God got a hold of me, and now I'm heading this direction. And the enemy came to try to pull me back into that old place. You know, and I had just married men flirting with me and all these things. It was just like the thing that I was like, no, I have turned away from that was just, just glaringly in my face. And I had the thoughts and I had the things coming, the circumstances and the temptations coming at me. And I just knew that enough to be like, no, that is the enemy. I had to take those things captive, resist them. I had to give all that weakness to the Lord. I would turn to him in those temptations, those moments of temptations. And I still have to and say, I cannot do this, but you can. You in me can do all things. I am not giving into this temptation. I am resisting this temptation because I know I have been redeemed from that life and I am a new creation. And I had to keep turning and resisting and be like, no, that's not who I am. I am a new creation. Say, guys, and that's a secret. The Bible says, yeah. <clears throat> Love it. So good. The Bible says that if we submit ourselves to God, it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee. There's an order there. We have to start with submission, right? We have to submit to his authority. We have to submit to his word, as you said. When we do that, that's step one. That's when we can resist the enemy. Yep. Because he loses his hold. He does not have the power to hold us to a, a lifestyle of the past that is no longer our identity. And so that in itself is just so so powerful oh and one other thing too which was i felt like it's, i needed people need to know in that beginning i thought i questioned those temptations like i said married men were come like flirting with me at work and stuff and i thought it was god testing me tempting me to see if i would go back to that life but no god does not tempt us with evil <laughs> people need to know that that was not god tempting right me. that was the enemy trying to pull me back into right. that life <laughs> people need to realize that like no god doesn't tempt you with evil 
Uh, so there may be people struggling here, Katie, with some of the same areas that you've struggled in. Uh, you had like an epiphany at one point. You said your scales fell off your eyes. Would you also agree that there's also you have to have a certain level or develop a certain level of self-awareness where you realize, okay, I've got this stuff in my past and my family line, your triggers, etc. Did you go did you do a deep dive into any of those areas with someone that you could trust or how did that look? I really with God, it was like one month the scales fell off and I saw the things. It was so heavy but I did it was like the work of the Holy Spirit like that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit I had to be real with God and I had to give all those hurts and those pains to him that I had experienced with you know my mom and I had to for the first time it's like I was acknowledging fully that that stuff had happened and that because I had built up all these walls you know and I wanted to be so strong and feel like I was so strong and that that didn't affect me but as I started to come into a relationship with God, it was just like he was, those walls have to come down. They started to come down. And I had to be real with him and just admit to him, like, this this does hurt. She did hurt me. You know, that was painful. And I'm not as strong. I was trying to be strong in my own might and power. And that's that's really where you, you fall when you think you've got it all together. You have to come to a place where you could forgive your mom. Yes. Um... That's a testimony, oh my goodness, in itself. Because um, there was a lot of pain and hurt, you know, because of what she had done to me. And as I progressed in this relationship with God, like I said, I had put her kind of out of my mind. And I had really come to this place with God where I thought, I've forgiven her. And I had, you know, made these decisions in my mind. I'm like, I, okay, I choose to forgive her. And I didn't say anything to her, but I'm saying this to God. And I was going along, you know, all is well with God and my life is so good. And, and all of a sudden it's just God, you know, God is so good. He's like, no, we got to work. You haven't really forgiven her. We got to work on this anyway. And he, um, just led my mom. I had completely ignoring her, but she called me one night and I answered the phone for the first time in, in years. And I didn't know why I even, even answered her. I remember being like, what am I doing? Like, why am I answering the phone? But I did, and she was just asking me for something. She told me she needed a car, and I, everything in my, my flesh was like, no, I'm not helping you. You know, like, why would I do anything for you after all the things you've done for me? And she said, will you just pray about it? And that was, I was like, oh, no, because I'm with walking with God now, you know? And I was like, oh, and I had already made, I was such a setup with God, because he knew I'd already committed to, if someone asked me to pray, I'm going to actually pray. And so that night I just got up on knees and I'm like, Lord, what do you say about this? And he's just like, give her your car. And I'm like, oh, oh no. Okay. I'm going to give her my car. And I woke up that morning and that morning I had a text message from her that was the norm with her. Um, just criticizing me, calling me names. You call yourself a Christian and this and that and just berating me. And I just went in my bathroom. I'm like, see, she doesn't deserve anything from me. Like, look how she treats me, you know, and I'm just saying this with God. Oh, my goodness. And the Lord said, you don't deserve anything from me. Oh, talk about humbling. I was like, 
oh my gosh, that's true. And he said, this is, this is grace, Katie. She don't, you don't deserve any, it's my grace that blesses, not because you deserve it, it's grace. And he said, I want to bless her through you. Will you be a vessel for me? And so I, I agreed to that. I didn't tell her about this. And this was a few months um, before her birthday. I think this was in December. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to give her my car. And I wanted to go home in February into Alabama and surprise her with my car. But in the midst of this, God was doing this work in my heart and showing me, you haven't really forgiven her. You've just been out of sight, out of mind. And he even showed me that, you know, how the story that Jesus told about the sinner that and the Pharisee, how the, there was the Pharisee who was, Oh, God, you know, I thank God that I'm not like that sinner over there, and I give my tithes and all these things, while the sinner over here can't even lift his head to God because he's so filled with unworthiness and so unaware of his shame, you know. And God showed me in that moment, I was the Pharisee, and my mom was the sinner. Like, holy moly. So... I had to really repent. I saw in that moment, like, I really have, I've exalted myself over her. I've been judging her all this time, thinking, well, I might not be perfect, but I'm not like her, you know? And I had really, really judged, judged her unfairly and according to the flesh. We're not supposed to see anyone after the flesh, but I didn't know that. And anyway, and so I was leading up to this time to go home to give her the car. And all the, one day I was walking into the house and the Lord said, get her an apartment. I'm like, what? <laughs> And I just had peace in my heart. And I was, I said, yes. I'm like, yes, Lord. And so I went home in February, you know, and I told her again, we had no relationship. It was so bad. But when I went home in that, that year in February and I told her, I met her at a Chick-fil-A with my kids and it was her birthday. And I just told her, mom, I'm going to give you the car and I'm going to cry saying this. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to also give you an apartment. She had been living in the projects. She had nothing. And the Lord told me, you're going to get her an apartment and you're going to pay for it, but it's going to be me. I'm going to provide for it. And he told me to let her pick it out, that she could have whatever she wanted. That's the grace of God. He's like, I want her to pick it out. It's whatever she wants. She gets to decide. And I told her that when I told her, mom, I'm going to get you, give you my car and I'm going to get you an apartment and you get to pick it out. When I tell you, it was just like everything the enemy had done. It destroyed, that yoke, that everything was so destroyed in that moment, though everything the enemy did came crashing down. I mean, we were both like bawling in Chick-fil-A. I'm just ministering the love of God to her and telling, I truly in that moment was like, I have so forgiven you. God has forgiven you. What you, what you have done, God has already forgiven you. He holds nothing against you. You are so worthy in his eyes and he loves you and adores you you are the apple of his eye and i was crying she was crying it was <laughs> we've had the best relationship ever since we he has so restored and redeemed everything the enemy did it's amazing I, i'm trying not to cry it's amazing the enemy meant for evil god turned it around for his good we serve such a mighty and powerful god i hear one word there obedience Yes. Right? Obedience. Yes. Obedience. Yeah, it's not a very attractive word. Yeah. Oh, and it did not feel good on my flesh to do those things for someone who had hurt me so bad. But that was the key I saw. Just do, when you just do what the Lord leads you to do, you don't, it's not going to make sense to your brain most of the time. But if you'll just do it, you will see the mighty hand of God in your situation. You know, we could probably 
continue sharing with uh, Katie. Her testimony just powerful. Uh, but I, you know, I told her when she shared her testimony with us for the first time that um, that I thought that Kevin, her husband, uh, is a picture of Jesus. <laughs> Kevin, why don't you stand up so everybody knows who you are? That's Kevin. <clears throat> and and Kevin has been such a, uh, a supporter of this process. You know, every time we've talked, it's like, she is ready. She, she's got something good to share. It's, and, uh, you know, that's a picture of Jesus <laughs> that, that accepts you, accepts us as we are. And, you know, with Jesus, we don't have to put on the airs of, of somebody that we're not. He accepts us just as we are. So, uh, Katie, would you do me a favor? Uh, there may be, there's going to be people that are going to watch this online uh, later on, and there may be someone here that that may be struggling with things in your life. You know, the, the, the beautiful thing is that oftentimes we think that church is a place of perfect perfection, then then no one struggles. <clears throat> I hear that coffin. <clears throat> I better we be. We all struggle, right? We all go through difficulties. The, the challenge with us is to be honest and transparent. Yep. That's where we fail. Because we think that somehow we have to hide behind a facade of spirituality. You know what? Uh, it was kind of funny, but it, it's not funny. But uh, <clears throat> last Wednesday, <laughs> a prayer meeting, um, Lois shared a, a story about us. And she says, you know what? Last night, David and I had a fight. And we had an argument. I mean, not like a powwow fight. <laughs> no, not that kind Pretty of fight. heated argument. And somebody came up to me and said, oh. I'm so glad to hear that you guys argue too. <laughs> and I guess we do. We do. Yep. Most of the times, I'm wrong. I need Katie to pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I don't know where you're at in your life right now. Wherever you're, you're sitting there and you're listening to these words and you're probably thinking, wow, I wish that I could be like that. Or, or maybe you're just sitting there and you're saying, well, I... I'm so glad I'm not like her. I haven't lived that kind of life. And you know what? If God spared you and kept you from that, that's a testament to his power too. So you don't have to ever feel like, oh, you know what? What has God done for me? But maybe there's someone out there that is going through a struggle in their lives. Lord God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy and your grace that knows no bounds. I thank you that you are still the God that leaves the 99 for the one. I thank you, Father, that you are the God of miracles and that you are the God who still restores, you still redeem, you take everything that the enemy has meant for evil and you use it for good. And I de just decree that over all of this congregation, anyone who is struggling in these same situations, that you are redeeming their story. You are taking everything that the enemy meant to do to harm them with, and you will use it for their good. And I thank you that you restore all that the locusts have eaten. I decree that over them, restoration, restitution for everything the enemy has tried to do in their lives. 
I thank you, God, for restoring and redeeming these things. I thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thank you that even though we may fall, that you pick us up by our hands, Lord, that you just set dust us off. You say, get back up and keep going. You've already been forgiven, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that even when we sin and we miss it, even when we're walking with God, we have an advocate with the Father. We can go to you, Lord, and confess our faults and our sins, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I thank you for that, that the blood of Jesus is speaking better things on our behalf and over all of the people of God. The blood of Jesus is crying out for us, speaking better things. We have a better covenant. We have a covenant of mercy and of grace with our Lord God. There is everything available to us. In the body, there is nothing lacking, nothing missing. We have been given all things in Christ Jesus, and I praise you, God, for that. And so, Lord, I just pray that this word, this testimony goes forth and that it is a testimony of hope and of encouragement and that you will be glorified not only in my life, but in all the lives of everyone who has their own testimony, that you would just inspire these people to be open and honest and transparent with their lives, to share their stories, because this, even in the body of Christ, people are hurting. And so I thank you, God, for everything that you have done and everything you will continue to do. And I just thank you, and I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, and one, th- one more thing I just wanted to, really the Lord wanted me to impart, is I had um, someone come to me, I've shared my testimony plenty of times, but one day someone said, well, why did, when the scales came off my eyes, he said, why did God do that for you? And instantly the Holy Spirit said, someone was praying for you. And I, y'all need to know how powerful prayer is. Do not stop praying for your loved ones. Pray for your friends. Pray for your neighbors, your children. God is powerful. Prayer is powerful. When the Lord told me that, I just, it was opened my eyes to a whole new level of praying. And he said, someone was praying for you. That's why I could do that. So we need to be those people praying for others so That's God right. can do the same thing for them. Amen. Kevin, can you come up? <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell him I would do this. Isn't that beautiful? But I, I want I want us to pray over them and bless them in the name of Jesus that God will just just so powerfully bless their union. Uh, this is a, a, a blessing of a couple. And I just, we, let's just, hey, why don't you stretch your hand toward them? Would you do that? Yeah. Father, thank you for this precious couple. We honor their commitment to you. We thank you that they love you above anything else and anyone else. And we decree the blessings of God over their lives. Father, I pray that there is an increase of your presence in their lives, an increase of love between the two of them. Father, I pray that life will come forth from their mouth on a regular basis toward people around them, most of all their family, their children. We pray your blessings over their family, Father, that you will just anoint them to be a blessing to others. Lord, that what they have received, they are so willingly uh, open to give to others that Lord you will give them opportunities for ministry to bless other families that don't even know you because of your grace and your mercy you are so good we love you we bless you in Jesus name amen and 
Amen. Hey, would you bless Kevin and Katie Carson? Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.